Welcome to Beltway Talk, the podcast of the American International Automobile Dealers Association, where we examine the intersection between politics and the automobile retail industry. I'm your host, Hannah Oliver. Today's episode of Beltway Talk is brought to you by Lance and Business, your official and trusted dealership source for team apparel. Committed to providing you and your employees with the very best clothing for work, life, and style. Find out more at AIADA.org. On this podcast, AIADA's Vice President of Government Relations, Rachel Robinson, is joining me in the studio to preview the upcoming midterm election and the role of the trade issue as dealers prepare to cast their votes on November 6th. Rachel is a Capitol Hill veteran and has been with AIADA for over a decade. She's a strong advocate here in Washington for the trade issue and its impact on dealers and their businesses, and we are glad to have her with us to explain why trade is so important in this election season. Thanks for joining us in the podcast studio here today, Rachel. Thanks, Anna. I appreciate being here. Well, let's go in and talk about the midterm elections and trade. I know that there are a lot of issues at play headed into the midterms, but for dealers, trade is definitely a hot one. Um, Can you share a bit about where the overall trade issue stands right now? Sure. Um, I think, as you said, trade is the hot issue, and that's kind of putting it mildly mildly these days in Washington, D.C. Trade is one of the number one topics, the number one policy issues that is being dealt with both by Congress on the House and the Senate and actually in the administration. So for dealers, I kind of see, especially international nameplate dealers, I see this election being uh, an election that they really need to focus in on where their members of Congress are on trade and how they're going to vote on pending trade agreements. Mm-hmm. Uh, we've got things that um, are new out there, like the the new U.S.-Mexico-Canada agreement, agreement that was just um, announced about a month ago, the USMCA, mm-hmm. and it's going to be replacing NAFTA. And then we also just recently the administration has sent up notice um, to Congress that they plan to open up and negotiate trade agreements with Japan, the European Union, and the UK. So those are three big agreements also that are going to be, you know, voted on probably in the next year, maybe two years since Mm -hmm. they're just starting out on those agreements. But I think dealers should be paying attention to this election. They should be looking at people's trade records and um, vote accordingly. What about the 232 investigation? Is that still ongoing? It sure is. Um, actually, under the new um, USMCA agreement, 232s is still are they're still in play. So the investigation that was announced and launched back in May is continuing. They're still in the process of gathering information. They being the Department of Commerce of gathering information and collecting um, uh, the insight and the data that has been given to them by both the OEMs, the auto manufacturers, and dealers. We actually testified at the hearing that the mm-hmm. Department of Commerce held, um, Cody Lust did for us. And they're still gathering that information. They're going to put together a final report. Um, okay. They have, um, under the law, they have a, 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 a few more days, a few some more time to get that done. Mm -hmm. And um, then they'll turn that over to the president. And um, we don't foresee anything happening before the election on this issue as far as a final determination. But we do see once the election is actually completed that um, we're probably going to see some movement again on Mm -hmm. this 232 issue and hear, hear some conversations about it again. So having talked about trade, 
let's kind of just turn our focus for a few minutes to the midterm races. Can you give us an overview of the congressional map and the seats that are up for grabs in the House and the Senate? Sure. Well, like I was just saying, um, or, or I guess we were just talking about, trade issue is going to be important. So I think it, it's important for the dealers to pay attention to how um, candidates are talking about trade mm-hmm. and how they might vote on trade because they'll most definitely be voting on a new NAFTA agreement, the USMCA, and they'll possibly also get a chance to vote on a Japan agreement, a European Union agreement, and a United Kingdom agreement. And that's that's four big, mm-hmm. huge trade votes. Um, so you take a look at it, and, and right now um, the House is controlled by the Republicans and the Senate is controlled by Republicans, and the White House is controlled by Republicans. And under that scenario, it has been a little easier um, <laughs> to to move legislation through. There's always difficulties. I've, I've often heard the phrase that um, trying to uh, get votes up on Capitol Hill is a little bit like herding cats. <laughs> um, and yeah. um, every once in a while, a strail, strail run away, and you got to go get them back into the fold or back into the herd. But um, it's going to be important to have these members of Congress sitting in these seats that that will take positive trade votes. And so when we look at it, let's start, say, with the Senate. Um, currently, mm-hmm. there are 51 Republicans and 49 Democrats in the Senate. So, in other words, the Democrats need need to win two additional seats mm-hmm. um, to take control of the Senate. Unfortunately for the Democrats this year, they have a lot of um, contenders or a lot of seats open um, for those of you who don't know, basically the Senate is divided into three classes. And so every two years, one-third of the Senate runs. And so this year, the one-third that is running for up for election, the one-third that is up for re-election mm-hmm. is actually dominated by a lot of Democrat seats. Okay. So they're playing defense a lot. Um, Republicans don't have as many seats to that they have to... Um, Try and protect and defend. Mm -hmm. And so they're out there and they're able to play a little bit more offense. Uh, We're still not sure what all that's going to mean. We've got some extremely tight races. You have um, most um, pollsters out there these days kind of put these in the toss-up category. The Arizona seat, which is open Mm -hmm. um, after the retirement of Jeff Flake. You have the Florida seat um, where you have Senator Bill Nelson, who's running for uh, re-election. He's running against the current governor of Florida, Rick Scott. Mm -hmm. Uh, Then you have um, uh, Senator Donnelly running in Indiana, and he's running against a gentleman, Mr. Braun, who is trying to uh, entering politics for the first time and trying to win that seat. Then you also have uh, Senator Claire McCaskill in Missouri. She's got a, a tough Republican opponent and is running neck and neck there. Then you have uh, Senator John Tester out in Montana, and he is uh, running against the Republican Matt Rosendale. And that, again, is neck and neck. And then you have Dean Heller, Senator Dean Heller in the state of Nevada. And he is, um, again, running neck and neck with his opponent. And so those are really the sort of six toss-up races that a lot of eyes are focused on right now as far as where the control of the Senate is going to land. There are a few more seats out there that are, I would say, what we'd say in play. Mm -hmm. So you've got the the North Dakota Senate seat where um, Senator Heidkamp is running for re-election. She's the Democrat running for re-election. And you have uh, Ken Kramer, he's actually currently a congressman, um, running against her. Right now, the polls showing him leading, and I believe the last one I saw even had him leading by double digits. So that looks to be a pickup seat for for the GOP. Okay. Um, you also have um, 
the Tennessee Senate race where uh, Bob Corker has um, retired and you have a, a, a real battle going on in the state of Tennessee against Marsha Blackburn, who is a current uh, member of the House of Representatives, Republican, running against um, uh, former Governor Bre- Bresden in mm-hmm. um, Tennessee. So and they are they are battling it out. And um, the most recent polls show um, Congresswoman Blackburn playing ahead just a little. But these are these are polls and these are numbers that are going to go neck and neck probably up until Election Day. And, you know, as, as we often hear, it's not over till the fat lady sings. And so I think these people are going to be... Um, mm-hmm. Politicking hard, uh, shaking lots of hands and kissing lots of babies in between now and um, Election Day. And, you know, we'll see. We'll see that day. I I think um, the one thing that the election two years ago taught all of us is (laughs) you got to wait till all the votes are counted to find out who the actual winner is. Uh, Because I do believe that um, President Trump surprised a few people with that, Mm -hmm. that victory two years ago. And um, he surprised a lot of pollsters. So, you know, the folks up here in D.C., we look at these polling numbers because that's what we've been taught to look at. And and even I, you know, the same thing. I'm looking at these poll numbers. And so the head part of me is saying, mm-hmm. oh, yeah. these poll numbers are in the Senate. It's it's you know, it looks like it. It looks more than likely Republicans are going to be able to maintain the control. They might even get lucky and pick up a seat, maybe mm-hmm. two. Um, doesn't look like the Democrats maybe have quite enough that they need um, to to gain majority control in the Senate. But, um, you know, you just you can't tell until the votes are actually cast. So we'll be um, playing close, close attention mm-hmm. to it, looking at the polls. And like I said, they're going to be shifting and turning. And, and there's always one more thing that can pop up and kind of change the whole dynamic of it. So we'll be watching those closely. Um, okay. And what about the House? Can you talk briefly, if, if that's possible, yeah. about what kind of a landscape we're looking at in the House? Right. So maybe I won't get as into as many specifics about the House because it's just so, so much bigger. I mean, the yes. House is made up of obviously 435 yeah. members. Um, currently, there's 235 Republicans. There's 193 Democrats. There's currently seven vacancies of folks who are either who did have to vacate their seats to run for other offices or folks who were tired a mm-hmm. little early. And their um, elections are wrapped up into this actual November election. Um, so technically, you know, when you look at the, the the way the numbers break out, the Democrats need to win 24 seats to take okay. majority in the House. Now, unlike in the Senate, where things look to be going a little bit in the Republican favor, it's actually almost the opposite in the House. Okay. The poll numbers we're seeing, the data we're looking at, seems to show a trend leaning a mm-hmm. little bit more Democrat, that there's really a chance that they're going to be able to gain not only these 24 seats they need to take a majority, but maybe even a few more. Now, you know, again, we never know until the votes are actually cast. And um, I think one of the things that has probably um, been a little bit of a hamper to Republicans in the House is that you had a fair number of retirements and, yeah. and folks that, uh, you mm-hmm. know, no longer wanted to, to serve. Um and you always want to thank them for their service, but this seems to be a tough year for Republicans to defend those seats. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, we'll keep a close eye on it. Um, we'll be watching carefully on election night because what we what we need is, in all honesty, is we need a, a House of Representatives that's going to vote to elect or, or vote to implement um, positive trade deals. Yes. In trade deals that um, protect a level playing field mm-hmm. for the international nameplate dealers. So having said all of that, let's go back to the trade issue. Um, I know you talked earlier about 
these the USMCA. How do you see the congressional approval process for this trade deal playing out in the coming months? Well, the USMCA, like I said earlier, was finalized about a month ago. Mm-hmm. Um, and part of the the push or the drive to actually go ahead and, and finish it and come to an agreement mm-hmm. between the three countries by September 30th was actually driven by Mexico and the fact that they had their elections in July. Okay. And the fact that their president, their current president, was really the one who needed to sign the document and sign the agreement. And it's not that their incoming president wasn't necessarily supportive of it, but with the way their system worked, it was going to be better if this incoming, I mean, if the outgoing president signed the document in their agreement. And so that was the big push behind September 30th and trying to get this agreement in place. And as we know, initially the agreement was reached with the U.S. and Mexico, and it wasn't, it was the last you know, a few weeks in September that they were trying to bring Canada on mm-hmm. board. And in fact, in the end, we're able to do so. And um, and that's vital to the auto industry to make sure that it is a trilateral deal. So we are, um, you know, we were glad to see all three of the parties mm-hmm. come back to the table and, and reach an agreement. Um, but now that we've gotten that far, the administration has notified Congress that they've reached the agree- agreement. Okay. There are studies that are required under the Trade Promotion Authority Act that need to be done and completed. Okay. Um, once those studies are done, they'll be submitted to Congress. You know, they'll actually, they'll be public. Um, and um, AIDA, AIADA does plan on submitting comments it's to the um, ITC, the mm-hmm. Trade Commission. Okay. Um, where um, we'll submit these comments and um, just talk about what we see as the effect. And now we're still all really kind of taking a look, and, I, and I'm going to get to your, your question about how this is going <laughs> to go through Congress, but we are still all kind of getting a look at the USMCA. It's a pretty big document. It's got yeah. 34 chapters. It's got 234 pages in it. So there's sure. a lot to look through. It's, there's a there's a lot keeping the lawyers busy these days. I'll tell you that yeah. much. <laughs> um, but um, so once everybody has kind of gathered their information, you know, we'll we'll talk a little bit more in detail about it. But as far as Congress is concerned, the studies are you know are in the process of being organized right now. Those have to be submitted to Congress, and then Congress gets a, a sixty day review period. And okay. they need that time to actually look and see what's in the what's in the text and, and what's actually in the language. And sure, they're they're already looking mm-hmm. at it. And there were some early discussions about are we going to try during a lame duck uh, Congress, you know, lame duck Congress, which is after the elections this November, mm-hmm. in between when the new Congress is sworn in in, in January. That lame duck session is. Would there be an effort to try and push through and push this legisl the the implementing legislation for USMCA through? I think um, the leaders, as far as I understand it, have gone back and taken a look at that now, and they just don't really see a pathway forward to rush it through. Okay, and so the members, and so therefore you've got members who are being elected right now who haven't gotten a chance to look at this and haven't gotten a chance to really study it. And so they'll need that time in January. We're not sure when exactly it'll come up in the new Congress. A lot of that will depend on who's controlling the chambers. Okay. But um, at that point, I think, uh, you know, we will be, we will make sure all of our international nameplate dealers know where we stand and, and know where our, we'll make sure all international nameplate dealers tell their members of Congress how they feel about this. So I guess it's safe to say this is not happening before the end of the year. Am I correct in that? 
I think it's relatively safe to say that. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> it's uh, um, It would be a lot to do before the It end would of the be year. a lot to do, and okay. it doesn't look likely right now. I'm, um, I'm never going to say never up here in this town. Things change on a dime. So um, I'm going to leave myself a little, bit of wiggle, a little bit of wiggle room in case they do come back and say, you know what, let's go. Mm-hmm. We're going to do this. So. Okay. Um, turning back to the 232 investigation, we just talked briefly about it at the beginning of this. Um, but how do you think the outcome of the midterms will, will impact the 232 investigation? Well, actually, I'm not sure the elections will impact the 232 investigation okay. because it's currently being done at the administrative level. Um, so it's it's totally done through the Department of Commerce. It's a report that's then given to the president, not even necessarily given to the hill until maybe after the fact Mm -hmm. so so it won't necessarily have an outcome however you know i think there are those out in the business community in the auto industry that might see might would like to see a little bit more constraint put on the 232 process and make sure it's being used for what it's um truly supposed to be used for which is a national security threat Mm -hmm. so if you all remember from probably last time i was on the podcast and we talked about this yes we did a a 232 investigation is based on whether or not uh whether it's autos whether it's steel and aluminum or whatever it might be uh, are that that these items are are they're the production of or how they're being produced or how they're being imported into the country are a national security threat to the united states um, and, uh, it, obviously we would argue that autos are not a national security threat. So, um, we're, we're interested in maybe just a little bit more constraint, a little bit of more parameters put on. Thanks for that. Bringing us up to speed on that. Um, for dealers, should they keep the trade issue front and center while voting and participating in the midterms? And if so, why? Sure. No, absolutely. And I, I feel like I'm, it's, I've been saying the same thing and we've been talking about the same thing. But this next Congress, they're going to get the opportunity to vote on a lot of trade implementing legislation. Mm-hmm. Definitely on a new NAFTA, the USMCA, they're going to vote on that one, no doubt about it. And, and you know, if the industry in the end is supportive of this, we're going to need their support. Mm-hmm. Um, but um, there's also a chance they're going to be voting on a Japan trade agreement. There's also a chance on the UK trade agreement on it and on a European Union trade agreement. Mm-hmm. So these are all going to be big votes. They're going to be votes that matter to the international nameplate dealers. And I think they should be paying attention to this issue when they go to the ballot box. Thanks for that. To wrap up today, is there anything you'd like to add to today's election discussion, Rachel? I just would encourage everybody to get out and vote. Voting is one of the most important things we have the opportunity to do. And in, I know dealers are busy, and I know folks that work in the dealerships are busy. And so if you're not going to be able to make it on Election Day, you can always absentee vote. It's really easy. Mm-hmm. You just either mail in or you go to a polling place and um, vote early. And I would encourage everybody. It's, it's really important just to get out and vote. Well, thanks for joining us on Beltway Talk today, Rachel. Your expertise on this topic has been much appreciated. Thanks, Hannah. I appreciate it. That concludes this edition of Beltway Talk. If you're looking for more information on the trade issue, you can check out AIADA.org for background talking points, articles, and more. Thanks again for listening and join us again for the next Beltway Talk.